I read you. Where are you? Flying blind on a rocket cycle. Flying blind on a rocket cycle? And now, my friend, the first rule of Italian driving. What's behind me is not important. At the beginning, when you try the first time the 500, Fourth is Sylvain Gintoli. Sylvain taking a second out of Tony Elias in one lap with five to go. Permission to become a complete fan. Uh, no, I am your mate. <laughs> Sorry. Go on, Sylvain. Rostrum boy. I hope you're up early in Boston. Come on, Caroline. I'm sure you can chat loud enough. Put the bottle down. It's too early. Racing it. Life. Anything that happened before or after. Just waiting. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome back. Welcome back to the show of record, the show that matters, and the show that puts you on pole position for the news, the commentary, and the opinion in the world of motorcycle road racing. Yes, now back for episode number 90. And yes, it's been a little too long since I've put out uh, an audio show. I uh, hope you've enjoyed the special edition video slideshow stuff and uh, would like your feedback on those if you enjoy those. I've got a few more I can uh, do with those. But uh, anyways, good to have you back. Good to be back in the saddle once again as uh, we kick out uh, lots of news, information, a couple opinion pieces, and an interview for this week's show. But before we get to all of that, let's take care of that administrative stuff. First... As always, feedback always welcome, and that is at rumblestripradio at gmail.com. Of course, the website, www.rumblestripradio.com, and that's where you can find our show notes, uh, any links that we put in the show, uh, pictures, uh, you know, a little album art or whatever for, for the uh, for the week's show. And I got a new one for this week, uh, which is uh, super cool. One of my heroes is, uh, is the uh, picture of the week. And uh would encourage you to head on over to the website and check that out. I might also upload that as the album art uh, if you get the feed through iTunes. And I want to talk about iTunes here in a second. But uh, while you're over on that uh, website, you can uh, also see the little gold button that's on there, and that's the donate button. So I know it's, uh, times are a bit tough uh, here in the Motor City. We're in the middle of the Carpocalypse. And uh, money's tight for everyone, but if you could be so kind as to donate just a couple bucks, even 5 or $10, makes a big difference over here. Uh, you can do that. Hit the Donate button on the website. That'll click you in uh, with our PayPal site and uh, just do that. So those of you who have done that over the past year and, and since the inception, many, many thanks. And um, your continued support helps keeps us running here. Um we mentioned uh, iTunes, and you can definitely find the show on iTunes. That's where a majority of you find the show. And I would like to thank uh, the following people for writing reviews uh, on iTunes for the show. That would be uh, Goozy Lover, uh, Two Touring the World, 510 Husky Boy, and Mo Rider. So those four have written some uh, reviews for us, some very positive reviews for the show. And, and a very, very much thank you guys for doing that. Um, as I say, the the more reviews we can get on the show on the iTunes store, uh, the higher our visibility comes in the store. It's not only the amount of people subscribing and the you know new subscribers every week that helps build up your ratings uh, for the show in 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 the store, but it's also the number of reviews for your show. And uh, I've definitely seen some 
some spikes uh, in the show uh, do- downloads based off of the number of reviews we're getting. So very thanks, guys, for uh, for doing that, and would encourage everyone uh, who gets the show off of iTunes, if you haven't written us a review, if you would be so kind as to do that, it would be much, much appreciated. Uh, of course, you can always follow us over on uh, Twitter. We are uh, twitter.com forward slash rumblestrip. Uh, unfortunately, Pounce uh, has been uh, put to rest by uh, by Leah and her crew over there. They sold out and uh, pretty much gave the uh, FU middle finger crotch shop to the entire Pounce community. So, uh, so Pounce is no longer with us, unfortunately, and I, in a lot of ways, much preferred Pounce to Twitter. But hey, we're making uh, some inroads on Twitter. Met a lot of good people. I know we've got some new follow- new listeners to the show because of Twitter. So, uh, thank you very much for that. Now, this week's show, uh, and I've been meaning to do this for the last week or so, and uh, and trying to get a show. But I've been trying to, I've been banging on some people trying to get some interviews, and I do have an interview for uh, for this week's show, and I have it with an AMA team owner. So uh, it's a really good interview I did at the end of last week, and a bunch of stuff was else was coming out in the news. So I've been holding off putting on a show, trying to trying to see what uh, came up for this. So I have a number of calendars thanks to uh david emmett and steve jones david emmett of course the uh, the great site the must read site of uh, motogpmatters.com and steve jones uh shooting some great photography for him uh, over the last well, especially this year but uh, those guys put together calendar i'm sure you guys have seen it and if you want one you have a chance to win one now i have three calendars to be given away uh, that I that I'm going to do now, and I'm going to hold off one more that uh, they gave me to do after the first of the year. I know it's like, oh, why do you give a calendar? Eh, you know, break it up. But I know that's I want to get three of these out. So the first three people, well, actually, I'll draw three names or pick three names um, to uh, to give away, and then I'll contact you. So when uh, you'll you'll send your replies or you'll send your answers to rumblestripradio at gmail dot com, and the uh, subject line, have it be, you know, calendar giveaway. So these are beautiful calendars, really, really nice shots and all of these things. And uh, once again, thanks to uh, Steve and Dave uh, for uh, uh, for sending them over. So your question is for the start of the 1983 500cc GP race at Silverstone, how many bikes were took the took the uh took the lights to start the race. So how many bikes were there on the starting grid for the 1983 500cc Grand Prix race at Silverstone? And uh since that's a pretty easy thing to find and figure out, the I won't call it tiebreaker, but if I get, you know, too many people here, um if you can also answer and this is one of the reasons it ties in for a couple of reasons. Um what was the number that Eddie Lawson ran at that race? So what was his race number um, for that race? Once again, rubblestripradio at gmail.com, and you can uh, check that out. Now, I'm trying to think if it's over there. You might be able to get some hints if you're feeling a little bit lazy, uh, if your Google Foo isn't maybe quite where you need it to be. Uh, head on over to rumblestrip.net. We have relaunched that site. It's a, it's a going to be all kinds of motorsports and vehicular powered, uh, you know, motor powered things. Uh, it's in the process of being redone. 
But uh, there's some stuff over there. There's some interviews from the from that race that I posted up on RumbleStrip.net. If you haven't seen those, check it out over there, RumbleStrip.net. And you might be able to get some of the answers or maybe part of the answers from there. I'm trying to remember. There's uh, five clips of interviews I put on over there. One is uh, Kenny Sr. One is uh, Barry Sheen. Uh, oh, God. Good God. Who else is <laughs> over there? Randy Momola. Oh, the Randy Momola one is epic. So, um just some stuff that go check it out. It's uh, it's cool if you haven't seen it. Um, but so that's our giveaway question. How many bikes started the 1983 500cc GP race at Silverstone? So um, rumblestripradio gmail.com. We'll get those out. So, um, you know, let's try to get we'll do this. Uh, let's give you till the 30th of the year. That way I can get stuff out and you can have the calendars right after the first of the year. So uh, let's let's do that, and I uh, hope you enjoy. And uh, let's dive into the show here. Uh, as I said, we do have a uh, interview with a uh, an AMA team owner that we're going to get to towards the uh, back end of the show. And uh, I think you're really, really going to enjoy, enjoy that. I also, uh, in the show here, before we get to that, but I just want to acknowledge uh, Peter, also known as a dirt bloke over on the Right on Two forums, uh, I've been meaning to throw this in the show for a while, and it got put to the side just because I put it in a folder and forgot where it was and, and finally found it about a week and a half ago. But uh, he was at the MotoGP race at Phillip Island and had a chance to uh, talk to a couple people on Danny Pedrosa's team. And a couple, excuse me, just a couple minutes audio here, but I'm going to put that in here uh, into the show and, and would like to thank Peter for, for, uh, for getting to that. And I do apologize for it taking so long to get into the show. Uh, also, uh, news coming from the MotoGP panic, a few things. Number one, uh, our friend, uh, Liam Schubert, Moto Liam, if you haven't heard or seen, uh, he is coming home back to the United States. He has decided that, uh, two and a half years of, uh, being in the circus. He's, um, I'm not saying that he's had enough, but uh, there's a lot going on over there and a lot of stuff he says he really can't get into publicly, which is understandable because there's, you know, you don't want to burn your bridges over there in case you want to go back uh, one day. And I think he has every intention of doing so. But um, we'll try. To, uh, there, Liam did uh, an interview over on Bob Hayes' show. And um, if you haven't had a chance to check that out, would encourage you to do so. Uh, pretty good. That, and we'll see if we can get Liam on the show. He's, I think he's headed back. This weekend, I think he's officially moving back from Spain uh, back to the U.S. here uh, this weekend, I think, is his actual move. So once he's back in and settled, we'll see if we can get him on the show and uh, have him tell, uh, you know, give his thoughts on why he's doing it. So also, uh, speaking of the Aliche team, uh, Tony Elias uh, left with some interesting parting shots about Ducati and, and the Aliche team and uh, didn't quite pull a Max Biaggi and, you know, napalming the bridges, but uh, he certainly poured some gasoline and threw some blue tips onto it. So very interesting comments from him. And um, I guess maybe he's back where he wants to be and feels, uh, you know, some kind of happiness or whatever and felt he could unleash. But I don't know. There, there's better ways. There, there's ways of saying what he had to say without... Like I said, throwing throwing the gasoline and the blue tips on the deal, but we'll see. Uh, also, uh, we mentioned David Emmett and MotoGP Matters. He has a very uh, interesting story coming out of Spain, 
And in that, and we should know maybe even after you're hearing this, uh, this you'll this will this is coming out. From, I'm recording this Wednesday, so uh, and I guess the news there's going to be a conference for a press conference or news release Friday with Honda announcing what they're doing going forward. Uh, but some strong rumors coming out that Honda may either pull back or pull out of MotoGP, whether that's for 2009 or 2010, not sure. But uh, given that there's only 19 bikes on the grid and Honda controls, you know, or has con- control of the releasing or ownership of six of them, that could be bad, especially since you need 15 bikes to be considered a world championship. So the uh, world... Uh, collapse uh, continues the only upside is that uh, repsol underwrites most of the factory team's expenses the downside is that repsol is going through a reorganization uh, i believe a change in leadership so some things may be changing there as well so very interesting to see over the next week what happens with uh, with moto gp with honda and uh with some of the rides that would be uh be very very interesting. You know, we've been you've been seeing over the last year or so, two years, two years, year to two years, that uh, World Superbike I think really is, uh, is strongly on the upswing. Moto, MotoGP mm, looking a little dicey, and uh, we'll see how that eventually pays out, and whether the production-based World Superbike makes more sense for factories to support than a full-out MotoGP program. Could be interesting. Now. Speaking of pullouts, essentially, Yamaha will be the only factory team involved in AMA road racing for 2009. Kawasaki has officially pulled out. Honda has officially pulled out. Uh, Suzuki, while no official word has been given, essentially has pulled out. Now, for their full factory teams. So there will be no Honda factory team, although there will be an Arian team and a Corona team, and they're going to provide some kind of support for them. Um, some of that support may include a superbike effort, though it's a little unclear at this point. There's, I'm sure most of you have seen the comments of Neil Hodgson that have been floating around on most of the sites uh, about what he's thinking and uh, what his prospects are for, for 2009 at this point and how this sort of like just totally slapped him upside the face of like, this came out of left field uh, or whatever the cricket or uh, soccer equivalent of left field is. Um, so we're a little unclear what's going to happen with Neil. Um, it's hard to believe that Honda's going to pay him to, to sit uh, sit at home on the Isle of Man and um, and not race. We'll see. Uh, he's paid by Honda Japan, not Honda US. So it's still possible that he may end up in uh, BSB or World Superbike. Hard to say. Um, could be uh, could be very interesting uh, for that. But uh, you know, Neil's a good guy, and I would like to see him racing here in the US. Uh, at some level. Uh, Suzuki, a little unclear on what their plans are. Even John Ulrich has uh, said on the Wira board that uh, not everything has been made clear to him of what level of support is going to be given to the traditional factory support teams. Uh, in, in our interview, uh, which is with uh, Kevin Hansen of Safety First, he talks a little bit about that. He's uh, you know been uh, supported by Suzuki over a number of years here now, and he mentions the same thing. It's uh, you know lots up in the air. So uh, Kawasaki, no word at all what's going on there if, if they're going to support the attack team uh, this year or, or anyone else. So looking very, very interesting for AMA Racing in 2009. Now, 
I'm going to circle back to this point after our interview with Kevin because I've had some thoughts and I'm working on a column that I'm going to pitch to a magazine, and if uh, it gets rejected, I know a couple spots, including rumblestrip.net, where I'll be able to run it. Um, so we'll see what happens. I'm going, to, I'm going to give you kind of the, the bullet point outlines of what my thoughts are at this, you know, uh, how there may be a silver lining in in all of this. And I'm, I'm grasping for straws a little bit, but uh, as the old, as the theme from the, um, you know, from the redone Battlestar Galactica, you know, this has all happened before and it will happen again. That's sort of the theme I'm running with. So if you can kind of put that in the back of your mind and uh, crunch over that a little bit uh, till we get to it, just uh, just some thought. I'll, I'll, I'll throw out some thoughts. And like I said, a little grasping at straws, a little hope, uh, but we'll see. We will see. World uh, Super Sport news. This, is, this was out about a month ago now, is that... Uh, Triumph is switching up their factory teams from what was the the old NCR team and uh, became the SC Karachi team. Uh, they're now going to move to the BE1 team uh, with their with their support. They're moving their whole support over there um, with uh, Slideboy McCoy and Jean-Luc Nanelli going to be heading up that. So that uh, could be interesting to see what their uh, what excuse me what their results are. And I think Triumph really more stepping up their their efforts. It was. They did some things with Karachi, but I think they're going to really up their support even a little bit more there with that BE1 team. Uh, Harold Bartol uh, threw out some comments about this new, what are they calling it, Moto2 or GP2 class with the, uh, you know, the, the, with uh, Dorna getting rid of the two strokes and bringing in the 600cc four strokes. Uh, the, the rules are, are floating around for you to see, and anyone who thinks that uh, at the end of the day this is going to cost any less uh, than the two current two-stroke bikes, you are crazy. Seriously, you're, it just, it's just not going to happen. I don't care what they try to do with RPM limits, with uh, with common ECUs and some other stuff. To think that it's going to cost less for one of these bikes, even with the claiming rules and all that, it's. Uh, I, I just don't see it happening. I, I really don't. Uh, you know, supposedly the four-stroke era was going to control costs when they move from two-strokes to four-strokes. That obviously didn't happen. Uh, you know, bikes were going too fast in the 990s. So what do they do? They, re- they reduce it to 800 cc's, and all the lap records are gone. You know, they get they get busted again. So every time Dorna tries to do something to quote unquote improve things, it tends to make it worse. Now the 990 era was okay. Uh, certainly produced some some good racing, and especially the last year and a half to two years, the 990s were a really really good class. Uh, and then they neutered them to 800, and the racing has been less than. And for basically for the reason that uh, with a 990, yes, it was about bike setup, but a superior rider could still overcome an inferior bike. The 800s are so finicky to set up, uh, both from a chassis standpoint, uh, from an engine standpoint, with all the ridiculous fueling regulations, that it's not about the best rider winning. It's about the rider who makes the fewest mistakes winning. See, in the 990 era, you could screw up, but because the bikes had more power than you could use, you could make your way back. Now, with the 800s, it's, you, don't, you don't have that extra edge. So it's all about 
all about the chassis being exactly right, about the fueling maps being exactly right, and for the rider not to make a mistake. So if that happens, you'll win. And if you miss on any one of those, uh, you're off. You know, the rider could ride the perfect ride, but if the fueling strategy's off or something wasn't quite right in the chassis, forget it. Uh, tire, you didn't pick the exact right tire. Again, you know, in the old days, yes, tires mattered. Um, but again, riders could overcome this thing. Now the 800s, yeah. So maybe Toby, Julian, and Randy were lucky to get out while they could. I don't know. And, uh, oh, by the way, Toby Moody will be doing the uh, announcing for Dakar this year. So congrats to uh, Toby for doing that. And we'll be looking forward the uh, the highlight shows to hear uh, Toby once again. In uh, in America, the Daytona tire test happened last week. And, um, you know, they did the night test and all that. I guess it went very well. Uh, Kevin Hansen talks a little bit about night racing at Daytona, alleviates some of my concerns that I've been talking about. Uh, seems it went really reasonably well there. Um, so we'll, we'll see how that goes. But, uh, uh, my, uh, my partner in crime, uh, John Hall, he, of course, of the, uh, live fast racing blog and the live fast racing show, uh, made a great comment, uh, while that, while the tire test was going, he said there were more people on his elevator, uh, at work that day than there were at the Daytona tire test. And, and that's really not a joke. That was pretty sad. There were about 11 bikes running around there and <coughs> excuse me. It's uh, a little little sparse there, so and uh, you can imagine the grids will be a little thin this year. But like I said, there may be well not for '09, but 2010, 2011. I have some thoughts of how that might uh, might come better. Uh, the uh, on the throttle guys have some videos from the Daytona tire test. I'm sure you can check out if you haven't seen already. Uh, no bombshells, no no nothing really spectacular coming out of. Those tire tests down in Daytona, but uh, they happened. And the next test is traditionally mid-January at Laguna. Uh, we'll see if that comes off. Uh, yeah. Uh, now, the the only issue with that is the uh, the weather is usually pretty iffy on that. It's usually cold and raining just every year. It's, uh, you know, 50 degrees on a warm day. <laughs> Uh, was there? For, I've been there for a couple of them. That's why I speak from experience. So uh, we'll see uh, who 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 shows up to that. If anyone shows up to that, if it's even going to happen this year, so could be could be interesting. Uh, Other world superbike news: Fonsi Nieto is out at. Oops, I have all all state. <laughs> I think it's all Stara. Uh, let me fix it on my notes here. Oops. S T A R E. So uh, yeah, I mean this is really no shock. It was. Sp- Pretty much predicted uh, that uh, he wouldn't uh, be back this year, which would mean that uh, Francis Bat has come up with some new sponsorship. Uh, Nieto really got that seat because he brought the the Pepiphone sponsorship last year, and that's really how he got the ride there. So, guessing that uh, Francis found some other sponsorship to uh, to take care of it, and it will be uh, Max and uh, uh, Kagayama once again on the on the super bikes for all-star next year uh some big news out of the bsb series is uh number one there will be no ducatis racing next year in bsb which is uh pretty unfortunate uh right after the season ended or maybe right uh right as the season ended it was announced that the uh the gse team 
would uh, be making the switch to Yamaha, so that was that eliminated that. And now it just came out in the yesterday, as a matter of fact, that the Northwest 200 team was going to be uh, making a switch uh, out of Ducatis. They're actually going to be working with uh, Rob Mack Racing, also running Yamahas. So uh, Michael Rudder and uh, Chris Stalker and Graham Gowlin will be will be riding super bikes for that uh, combined Rob Mack Northwest 200 team. And uh, Dan Lindfoot, who has raced 125s and 250s, uh, will be running in the 600 Super Sport Series for those guys. So uh, Rob Mack going from one bike uh, last year to now three super bikes. So that's uh, a big step up for them. Yamaha is going to have a huge, huge presence now in uh, in BSB with a, a, a minimum of five frontline super bikes. So I guess they are really, really going to be chasing that title hard. Uh, Yamaha really making a big push, if, if you think about it. Not BSB with uh, with five bikes going after that. Um, in the U.S., well, they're the only factory team, so really should have a good shot at it with uh, Ben and uh, and with Josh. You look at the World Superbike, um, Ben Spees and uh, and Tommy Sykes certainly have uh, some some pretty strong opportunities there. A lot of people will be doubting that, but, uh, you know, I'm not exactly predicting a uh, championship for Ben Spees in his first year over there or Tommy Sykes, but I think they have some some pretty strong shots at winning a number of races. So uh, Yamaha definitely stepping up uh, worldwide their efforts. At, and in a sense, you makes a lot of, you know, I mean, it, it, it makes sense in that they've come out with this whole new, well, not whole new, but essentially whole new R1 with the revised uh, engine, the big, you know, big bang type of engine. So we'll see how that, uh, we'll see how that all works out. But uh, BSB, very interesting. Now, um, I've put out the word about everywhere I can except on this show. And so those of, those of you who are listeners in the UK uh, or elsewhere who have, um, have some connections that I can't seem to get through. Um, if anyone has contact information or can get in contact with Jamie Widom, I would appreciate your help because I really, 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 really would like to have him on the show to talk about B- to talk about BSB last year and, and now looking forward into '09. Talk about some World Superbike. Talk about all this other stuff that he's done in his racing career. Uh, so, if anyone has connections to Jamie Widom out there. Could you please uh, let me know or have him get in contact with me? Because I really want to get him on the show. I think it would be a fabulous interview, and uh, I think it would be uh, really, really cool. So there we go. So with that, um, first what we're going to do is I want to run uh, these two clips from uh, from Peter when he was down. Uh, when, well, he wasn't down, and he lives in Australia. So when he went over to Phillip Island, uh, for the MotoGP race, uh, we've got him talking to Pedrosa's tire guy and to uh, and to Pedrosa's mechanic or one of his mechanics. So, let's run that audio right now. So you're uh, Danny's uh, tire guy, are you? Yeah. How's it how's it traveling with? Um, you've been here what three races now? Uh, yeah, the last three races. Yeah, and, yeah, um, and yeah. yeah, we had quite many things to develop yeah, yeah. to understand yeah. what is uh, what he like and what he needs. Yeah, he so must be working very hard. Yeah, but actually it works quite well. So, yeah. so everything. Put it, put it on pole. You must be so happy. Yeah. yeah so yeah. Uh, Bridgestone are going to give you a special a special gift for no. bringing him on pole. No, 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 no. Just for me personally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's very good. Yeah. yeah. So you must be very pleased. Yeah. And um, what uh, was the major differences uh, that you had to uh, adapt? 
to make to make him get the, the bike? I, you have to speak with uh, our, our press officer about this. Ah, okay. so but mate, you're the man. You are the man. You know everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I cannot speak about. Oh. <laughs> so yes, you can. Just a tech, just okay. a technician for him. And, uh, yeah, but still, you know, you know, you have more knowledge than uh, most people about what's happening. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, <laughs> should be. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, you've done very well. Congratulations. No, no, yeah, thank you, thank you very much. Yeah, yeah we try even our best to. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, 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 yeah. It will be a tough race. Yeah, because, because Valentino always have some extra in his pocket. Yes, yes. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's Valentino Rossi yeah. himself. Yeah. So, but yeah, I think he's in a good position, and even from from uh, the pole position, yes. I think he gets good confidence yeah. from yesterday. So yeah. Yeah, no worries. But today must be so good because of what happened at Phillip Island last week. Of course, yeah. first lap crash. Yeah, oh, yeah, those yeah. Must, this, yeah. yeah, I think this still maybe keep a little bit in his mind, uh, yes, Phillip yes. Island left. Yeah. But we already prepared all, all tyres and I think we, we solved some problems. Yes. So we should be okay. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. All right, good luck today. All right, thank, thank you. you. So what's your name? Johnny. And I uh, take it you're from England? Yeah, I'm from England, yeah. So how long have you been uh, on the circuits for? I started here in 2000. Oh, really? Been for Shell Advance. Yeah, I've been yeah. for a little while, yeah. And so what's your position with the team? Now, um, yeah. just a mechanic and look after the tyres and yeah. pretty much everything. You just get stuck in it for some Okay, so you you're with Nicky or... Uh, I'm with, with Danny. With Danny. Yeah. yeah. And how's he to work with? Good. One of the best guys I've worked with. Really? Yeah. yeah. Simple to work with. Yeah. Um, obviously, he's a quiet person. He's really shy, but... Yeah. Okay. He does his talk on the track, I think. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. And uh, uh, do you get uh, much chance to have a bit of a look at, say, you know, the internet, uh, what, what people say about yeah, the team and see, whatever? I see a lot of it, and a lot of it, they don't really know what they're talking about. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to say anything like that, but... No, no, it's, it's, it's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, each people has their own favourite ride, you know, yeah, of course, so, yeah, yeah. And Danny's a shy person. You don't come across as a, as a real good, like real, uh, like a Rossi or anybody like that. So yeah, he's his own person. Which is probably a good thing. Yeah, yeah, no worries. Don't let everyone the same. No, no. So this is a, this is where you get the you're trying to work out the bullshit from the, you know, exactly. the PR and uh, yeah. and people's opinion who don't what, know what's jack. What's actually reality and what's actually bullshit? Yeah. Exactly. And so how often, uh, so how many times do you go through, um, say, this morning for the warm-up? Well, this morning you only you pretty much use what you're going to use in the race. Okay. Um, but it just depends. I mean, through the weekend, obviously, you've got to have a lot more choice. Yeah. But by today, you really need to be sorted. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, no worries. So a lot of stuff this morning was already used. Yep. Just get more mileage on it. Yep. No worries. And so that obviously they put on a new set of tyres for the race. Yes. This morning you practiced with the same compound. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, yeah. no yeah, worries. We're already used, obviously, not a new one. Right, okay. And and what, more, more mileage. So. And, and, and what's from your uh, weekend has been, uh, so you come out there using a compound this morning and how's it changed uh, in the afternoon with the with the weather conditions and the yeah. humidity and everything, track temperature? Yeah, but track temperature is pretty much the same all day. Oh, I see. Yeah, because you've got that much heat anyway. Yeah. yeah. And that's what we use, obviously, if it's a bit cooler in the morning, yeah. you're on the soft front tire. Yeah. Or even rear tire as well. Yeah. Because uh, a hard, harder one wouldn't work. Yeah. Okay. Too, too, uh, too cold. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just... Whatever he feels comfortable in the morning, basically. Yeah. Getting out of bed and have yeah. a ride round. <laughs> no worries. And um, uh, much. You guys sort of a little bit concerned about how you know we're going to get this afternoon de- shower or whatever. You've got some clouds yeah, out there I mean, in the west. Yeah, it always happens there anyway. Yeah, every year's the same, pretty yeah, much. Sure. Yeah. Because we come this time of the year. Yeah. It's monsoon time, so they're thinking up. Yeah, sure. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. No worries.
So, like I said, it, it, it's pretty cool. Uh, just a couple quick little uh, blurbs from those guys, but uh, still good nonetheless. And uh, maybe gives you the impression a little bit more that, uh, okay, Danny is a different guy, but he's probably okay. And that a lot of our animosity towards him is, is has more to do with his management than, than Danny as a person. So we'll see that. Um, now what I'd like to do is uh, let's take a little bit. And um, we'll run the interview I did with uh, Kevin Hansen last week. So, uh, of course, Kevin, we've talked with Kevin before. He's been on the show uh, from 07 when we, yeah, in uh, in 2007 when we sat down with him at Mid-Ohio. And uh, now that we've wrapped up 2008, looking forward to 2009, a lot of things to to go over with him. So let's, uh, let's get to that interview right now. Well, now we're in the well, off-season off racing, and one of the things I wanted to do is bring in some people to talk about uh, last season and, and some of the things going on with the AMA going forward, and I figured no better person to do that than someone we've had on the show before, and that is the owner of Safety First Racing, Kevin Hansen. Kevin, thanks for joining us again here on Rumble Strip Radio. How are things in Chicago? Ah, nice and snowy and cold. I'm ready for warm weather again. Well, Can so much you send some our way? Yeah, yeah, I know. I hear you. So much for all this global warming we're supposed to be getting, right? <laughs> Exactly. Cool. Well, let's talk a little bit about uh, last year. And I would say, especially towards the end of the season, you guys really kind of came to your own, and I think a lot had to do with uh, with really Bobby Fong coming onto his own. Yeah, I mean, I think it was last season was a big combination of things. Um, had new crew guys that were just a, a bunch of great guys to work with, and, and um, you know, I think essentially, you know, we, we uh, you know, the bikes were better. Um, you know, I think our equipment was just as good as any other Suzuki out there and, you know, held right with the factory bikes, you know, with the TAC Kawasaki and Arian Hondas and, you know, the, um, you know, all the other Suzuki teams. And, you know, it seems like the Yamahas are just a little bit faster, accelerated a little bit better than everybody else. But, uh, no, I think our equipment was good. Crew was good. And, you know, uh, I think Bobby Fong is a young rider, really, uh, you know, has really come into his own and has really shown really the true talent that he has. And, you know, our uh, rider coach, Owen Weichels, you know, really worked hard with him and, you know, coaching Bobby and working on his riding. But really, most importantly, you know, the mental aspect of racing that's that's so important, you know, at that level. So it's good. No, and Owen's got some credentials behind his name, too. Obviously very successful up in Canada and here in the U.S. Yeah, exactly. You know, so he's got, you know, 14 years of racing experience and, from, you know, winning races and championships to, you know, doing boneheaded things and going out and crashing and tearing up a bunch of equipment. So there's a, a whole library of knowledge to for Bobby to access there. And, and uh, I mean, he rode well. I mean, his, you know, that fourth at Laguna was was great. He was there in some other races, you know, in the top five, and uh, gravity kind of got the best of him a little bit and got a little excited and tried too hard and then settled down the latter point of the year and was, you know, literally up front all the time with those guys. Yeah, which had to make you feel good in the sense you've, uh, one of the things you've been trying to do over these last few years is really spot the young talent and bring it up. And it looks like you really nailed it with that guy, with the kid. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, you know, and that's one of the things with young riders. I mean, they can just step into, you know, the AMA and race at that level and immediately just, you know, finish in the top five. It takes a lot of hard work, you know, not only from the rider standpoint, but having the right team and, and crew and you know the you know good equipment behind you it's a it's a total package for everything so i mean i was really really excited with with everything that we put together last year and that's always been my focus is to uh 
you know, build a bigger and better program every year. And so, you know, so far we've been able to do that every year. And as the season wound down, obviously all the chatter in the paddock going on with the delayed rules once, you know, over and over and over again and uh, some of the people coming in trying to get people's opinion. But was there really a sense towards the last couple of races of no one had an idea what was going on? Yeah, I mean, especially from the factory guys, I mean, they're so used to having their stuff set in place. You know, usually by July at Laguna, you know, factory riders are starting to get signed and then it's the trickle-down effect to the support teams. Um, but this year, really, everything got uh, delayed a bunch, and, uh, you know, here we are in, in December, and it's still being uh, sorted out as we speak. So we're about four or five months behind the curveball here right now. Now, the original set of rules that was proposed where the top class would have been some sort of horsepower limited thing, was that did that sort of excite you from your, your point and, and the way that you have your team set up? You know, it, it didn't really matter to me either way. Um, I wouldn't have minded having a horsepower limited class. Um, you know, at the same time, though, it's hard. You know, you always have the fear of trying to get as close to that horsepower limit as you can and not go over. Uh, I think it's super sport, you know, with the super sport rules that we had last year. Um, I think our equipment was really competitive next to the manufacturers. I think we were right there. Uh, you know, super bike. I mean, you can't compete and can't outspend, can't get the parts that those guys have under the old rules. So, you know, I think from a super sport 600 standpoint, I don't think it really matters, you know, whether it's horsepower limited or not. The way the rules are now for 09 from DMG, I mean, it's going to be, you know, I like the way it is. It's really limited. You know, it's basically super sport rules, again, other than triple clamps, um, brake calipers, and, and uh, front brake master cylinders. So... Mm-hmm. I think that we can, you know, go out and everybody's, you know, will be on a lot more even playing field. And, you know, any parts that are on the bike are basically have to be, you know, readily available to, to you know, the privateer, to the factory guys, to where everybody has access to the same equipment. So I think we'll see even more closer racing. Yeah, I mean, from from a super bike standpoint, you, I can somewhat, I can understand a lot of people's feelings where even Michael Jordan doesn't have enough money to buy the parts or Suzuki won't sell them even if he offered them, you know, the big check. So that's got to be very frustrating in that level. But yeah, super sport and, and stuff. That's a different ball game, but certainly looks good going forward. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think it's going to be good. I mean, I'm sure there'll be some bugs that we need to work out, uh, you know, and everybody has that kind of wait and see approach, but I mean, I'm excited about it. I'm looking forward to it and you know, I think it's, you know, it's going to be good, you know, you know, just like with anything, but I'm sure there's going to be some stuff that pops up that, you know, both sides hadn't thought of and, you know, that'll be addressed. But I think overall, it's going to be a greater, a greater show for the fans. You know, it's going to be a lot more marketing promotion and access to the riders. And, and, uh, um, I think you're just going to see a lot, a lot better racing, you know, especially in the, in the, uh, American Superbike class with the 1000 CC bikes. Mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. going to be a lot more exciting. Now, you've had an association with Suzuki for a number of years. Um, any word from them whether they're going to be funding or helping out teams like yours again going forward, or are they still on the sidelines and haven't made up their mind? They haven't fully made up their minds. I mean, the last I knew anyway, I was still uh, still going to have some support there. You know, the big thing that, that they've been dealing with is the, the economic crisis from their standpoint. You know, it's had a serious ripple effect across the entire motorcycle industry, mm-hmm. you know, and well, really every facet of business. So, you know, for them, I mean, their sales are down and, and uh, you know, you got to have, you know, X amount of dollars are being put back into 
to marketing and racing and, and all of that from sales. So it's, you know, they're still trying to figure out their budgets and figure out, you know, where they can, uh, you know, get the best bang for the buck and, and still put on, you know, some racing and, you know, and, I, and the whole DMG thing and, and Suzuki and not being happy with the rules, you know, I mean, I haven't really been privy to all that information, but, you know, I assume it'll, uh, it'll get all sorted out because, uh, you know, that's how they sell motorcycles. So sure. I can't see them not, not being on the racetrack. So from that standpoint, it's, you know, not, it hasn't been finalized yet, but, uh, you know, um, last I knew, you know, game plan still be out there and still be on Suzuki. So that's what we're, uh, shooting for and working on right now. And you bring up the economic impact of what's going on, and trust me, here in Detroit, we're in the we're in the middle of what we call the carpoc uh, the carpocalypse, um, and and all the ripple effects that might have. But um, from your standpoint as a team owner, is it been hard to drum up the same level of sponsorship for '09 as it was from previous years? Yeah, it's definitely been harder this year. I mean, really, seriously, everything's you know with the whole banking industry. I mean, literally, I've got a buddy that's uh, that's a trader for a hedge fund, and, and literally, the problems they've ran into is what we've seen from you know the sponsorship standpoint, business standpoint of things is, you know, literally the banks aren't they aren't even loaning each other money and aren't uh, you know putting money back into the stock market and things like that. So literally, there's been this pipeline of cash flow that's just come to a screeching halt. So literally, everybody's been in this wait and see type mode is, you know, they're not spending any money and they're going to wait and see what happens before they really free that stuff up. So a lot of things I've been in the holding pattern, you know, um, other outside the industry sponsors and that, that I've been working on are, you know, have, have definitely taken a, you know, let's kind of sit and wait and see approach. And, and after things start to sort out, then, you know, we can uh, look further. So sure. uh, it's kind of, you know, it's kind of the effect it's had, you know, across everything. You know, especially when you see Formula One, you know, with Honda pulling out of Formula One. And, right. You know, I think next year you'll see from a racing standpoint as, you know, teams will be running programs really lean next year. And, and uh, you know, it'll be one of those things where you put on the best show you can and, you know, do a good job for next year and really plan for, for 10 when the, you know, economy starts to rebound. Yep. I suppose in the in the forward planning here going on, um, one of the things that has to be somewhat encouraging is the fact that your diesel costs will be about half to you know three two thirds cut from what it was last year. Yeah, I mean that that is kind of one of the nice thing. I mean, to run a, a semi from Chicago to California and back last year was about forty four hundred dollars one trip. So you know we back down to about uh, twenty two twenty three hundred bucks, which or it could be a little bit cheaper, which. You know, it's fine with me. It gets real expensive when you make three trips out there in the year. Yeah, well, it'll yeah, pay for hotels for the team for for one race weekend, anyways, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it all you know offsets the cost, and and uh, you know, racing doesn't get any cheaper every year. That's for sure. Yeah, that's a fact. Um, what's your take what's on, your on the the the, uh, the tire rules for tire this year? Is that encouraging for you in the sense of you you know you'll get the good tires, or you you should be getting the same tires as everybody else? Oh yeah, that's by far the most excited thing. I'm you know jumping up and down about you know, and everybody that's been in this series, you know, even at the factory level. I mean, it's just it's such a political game of dealing with the whole tire issue. You know, and it doesn't matter where you're at in the food chain. Everybody has to deal with it, even at the factory level. So, um, you know, we went through that last year. You know, we made a switch and went to Pirelli. And, you know, great tires. And we were definitely able to run up front. But at the same time, you know, the last race of the year at uh, 
at uh, Laguna. You know, we didn't uh, quite have access to the same tower that was available, and uh, hence uh, we certain guys went forward in front of us that had the tires, and we were still doing the same times that we were before and had everybody covered. So that'll be great. I mean, next year is, you know, everybody's on the same thing and, you know, with limited modifications. So I think it just... You know, ensures that you're going to have a lot of clicks of racing. It's going to it's going to come down to uh, rider talent, talent, and uh, you know, motorcycle preparation. Now the, the, one, yeah, uh, the, the one, yeah, the one issue that I that can I see with this is the fact that um, they're asking a pretty steep price for a set of tires, and you have to put a ton of their signage on your bike and your rider. Does that seem a little over the top? Well, I mean, pricing-wise, I mean, honestly, everybody thinks there's all kinds of these free tires and all of that. And, you know, even at 360 tire, I mean, that was basically what you were paying last year anyway. So, um, you know, it's not outrageous. And, and that was the deep discounted plan last year, you know, like 360, 350. So, okay. you know, their costs keep going up. And, you know, as far as the signings and all that, I mean, we'll wait and see. There's supposed to be some type of bonus or contingency program based upon results, whether it's a, you know, a championship bonus at the end of the year or a, uh, you know, a per race bonus. But, uh, you know, it's just the way it goes. It costs a lot of money to run, you know, their trucks and, and do the development and everything down the road. So, um, you know, we'll see, you know, it's, it's all part of the game and, you know, and I think that, um, you know, with everybody on the same tire, I mean, it's, you know, it's a cross promotion and marketing thing. So, yeah, and also limiting yeah, the, the number of tires you can use in a weekend. That's got to yeah, be good as well from a cost standpoint. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you're still going to be looking at Super Sport like, you know, 3500 bucks a weekend. So your tire bill is still going to be 40 grand a year. So for us, I mean, that's about the tire, you know, that's about what we were spending in tires every weekend anyway. I mean, we were, for one rider, we were going through, you know, an average of seven sets of tires and maybe an extra rear here or there with, you know, for qualifying. So, um, and that was putting fresh rubber on whenever, you know, pretty much whenever we went out on the track. So, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of the, kind of the same thing again, you know, it's harder for the factory guys that may have gotten more free tires or some other teams, but, uh, you know, just, you know, you gotta make that money up somewhere, whether in sponsorship or cutting back somewhere else. So, For your riders for, your for, riders for this year, or for 09, I guess it's not, we're not quite 09 yet, but uh, you having Bobby back? Yeah, I mean, well, it's still kind of up in the air a little bit. Uh, the game plan is, I mean, he's definitely been looked at by all the other manufacturers, so um, until those seats are all filled at the factory level, you know, he still has a potential opportunity of, of going there. So mm-hmm. um, if not, you know, the the you know basically you know more or less will be back with us so but uh you know we'll see if he if he makes it to the big truck next year or not but uh i definitely love to have him back he's definitely a talented rider and that's always been my goal is to get him get him on a factory team so kind of that's the thing is we're kind of all still here in limbo here while you know things get sorted out so it has a ripple effect you know once things get taken care of at the factory level and things start to happen pretty quickly below it and then obviously that that goes to the next one is who who might be your second rider and obviously that's going to be one of those things of see where the dominoes fall and work from there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, that's kind of up in the air. You know, definitely the better results you get, the more people are aware of who you are. And you know, I've had some you know quite a few inquiries from from overseas, from Europe, and that, and I've been talking to some people from over there. So 
you know, people here in the state. So it's, uh, you know, it's kind of up in the air. So, you know, other things got to happen first before I can sort that out. So, gotcha. you know, that that's the thing is, you know, put, being a race team owner, it's not like you wake up one day and, you know, this week you take care of this and <laughs> next week, you know, this is all taken care of. It's, it's the motorcycle industry. Everything happens last minute. So. <laughs> Um, what are your thoughts about running the 200 at night? I think it would be really cool. You know, I talked to some people who are down in Daytona and testing, and, you know, and they said it's just like daylight. I mean, it's so wet up down there, and, and everybody seemed to be really stoked about it and was excited about it. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be great for the sport. I think you'll see more fans come to the race, hmm. you know, instead of having it during the daytime. And I think you'll have more people tune in for it, too, for the, you know, for the race live and, um, I think it'll be a good thing. I'm excited. I think it's pretty neat. I was just uh, my my concern was the fact not so much about the lighting. I figured they could get that taken care of. I've seen enough NASCAR races run at night. We saw what they did with uh, with the Qatar race for MotoGP. But just that banking in March, as cold as it can be in Daytona at night, I just you know there's barely enough traction to begin with, let alone on that cold tarmac. I guess that was one of my concerns. Yeah, I mean, you know, it'll it'll still be warm enough. I mean, I've raced when it's been 36 degrees out, and, and uh, you know, the funny thing is, is you can still drag your knee on the ground, and, uh, um, you know, when it's 36 degrees, it sucks some of the heat out of the tire, obviously, but I think it'll still be warm enough that, you know, it's not really going to slow people down really that much, and, you know, the nice thing is, is there, there'll be enough people out on the track where, where there'll be enough rubber being laid down that, you know, I think it'll be fine. So Good. it should be fun. Good. So looking forward so looking towards forward 09, towards you're 09, overall encouraged? Yeah, I'm excited about it. So, you know, it's just, you know, this is a rough part. Everybody thinks, you know, as a team owner, you know, in the off season, they think you just go vacation in Hawaii and, the, you know, hang out and don't do anything till March where, you know, this is really where, you know, the bulk of the works, you know, I don't know, I guess I'm busy all the time, but, uh, you know, really where you're really grinding in that to get all the sponsorship done and get everything lined up for next year. And it, it, it never happens as fast as you want it to. So it's like, it's like your days of a rider. You do all your training when no one sees it. And that's, that's, you don't, you don't see all that work, but that's what pays off in the middle of the year and just getting through the season. Right. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So from that standpoint, we're just, you know, we're working hard and, uh, you know, got some really cool deals that we're working on that, uh, we're trying to get finalized and, and put together here for next year. So, uh, I think it'll be good. I'm excited. Good deal. All right, well, Kevin, we know you're busy over there, and I appreciate you taking the time with us and and join us here on Rubble Strip Radio, and obviously we'll be uh, catching up with you through the season. Sounds great. Thanks again for having me. No worries. So once again, thanks to uh, Kevin for uh, taking the time and uh, and talking with us about that. I think it was a a pretty good interview. Obviously, he has a pretty uh positive outlook going forward and i think that you know kind of has to have a positive outlook as a team owner you can't sit there and go oh doom and gloom and woe is us but uh um you know some some good possibilities for him and and we'll uh, definitely keep uh keep in touch with him throughout the 2009 season so uh two things before we get out of here number one uh i saw some uh some bikes that are coming out that uh, apparently aren't coming to the u.s and in a time where there's really very little interest in coming from Japan motorcycle-wise, uh, I think these are two bikes that could sell very well over here. In the, in the, we're still in, in a bit of a retro bike phase, and, and the naked bikes are so big. Um, Kawasaki has come out with a new ZXR1200. Um, everyone remembers late 90s 
early part of this decade, they had the uh, they came out the ZXR eleven hundred and twelve hundred, which were the Eddie Lawson Eddie Lawson replicas, you know, you know, eighty early eighties superbike style. And they've come out with a new version of those, so that is being released in Japan. And also Yamaha has come out with an XJR thirteen hundred, very similarly styled to uh, to the Kawasaki. Those are two bikes I think are very cool. I'm sure they're probably a little overweight, uh, but I think could be very cool. They're um, they're not exactly you know tuned for the mid range and and whatever. They don't seem to be neutered bikes. Um, and I think those would be two bikes that could sell very well here in the U.S. Even given the um, you know what what appears to be the current economic collapse of of the world at times. So, anyways, just thought I'd uh, throw that out there and, and share that out share that with you guys. Now, I did mention that I thought I saw some interesting possibilities given the pullout of the factory teams in from the AMA and you know how this has all happened before and it and it will happen again. Um. Before I do that, though, yeah, before I do that, because I did this last year and it was really popular. Maybe I should have done it towards the top of the show. I'll get to I'll get to my little editorial first, but the whole Eddie Lawson thing for the question and stuff like this came about because uh, one of the slideshows that I uh, put out was from was the Road America or Road America uh, Mid Ohio uh, nineteen ninety two, and uh, someone had asked if I could. Uh, put some information I, I put it up on the on the facebook page or whatever and someone asked if they could get some some more detail about what some of those shots were so there were a couple bikes in there i didn't quite remember who they were uh most of them i did but there were a few that i did and i pull it out and like i don't remember like rick kirk who remembers rick kirk uh sorry that i don't but he rode uh, for two brothers um nigel gale one of the big uh guy big rivals for uh, scotty zampak in uh, in the 883 Harley class. So anyways, so I went down into the archives, which is also known as the basement, and pulled out the September 1992 American Road Racing magazine uh, because it had the coverage of that race. And I just thought I'd share a few things in there. Um, they were pretty interesting. I, uh, there was a race coverage for that event in there. And I want to just read through some of the news there. And I'm flipping through some of the stuff here. Let's see, those are GP notes. (laughs) How about this? ROC, or Rock, and Harris, the French and British companies that helped revitalize 500 GP racing by building YZR 500-powered privateers bikes, will build another eight bikes each for 1993, plus four spare chassis between them. The 1993 machines will probably... Uh, how's the user-friendly revised firing order YZR motors? A significant help for less experienced 500 riders. Uh, Harris's 93 bike will also have adjustable swing arm and adjustable engine position, uh, positions. <laughs> um, there was oh, I thought they had the new. Where did that go? There was some really cool like news, news stuff in here. Uh, sorry, I, I had this a second ago. Just some interesting, like, uh, blurb. How about Fausto Grassini? Fausto Grassini was able to stretch out a lead over uh, Alessandro Gramini to win his first 125 race of the season. That was uh, the GP of England for 92. <laughs> how about this? 
21-year-old Italian, uh, God, I can't even pronounce Max's real first name, Massimilio Miyagi, will join with Irv Katamoto's Rothmans Honda team to compete in the 1993 World 250 uh, CC Championship. The European 250 CC champion uh, has had a magnificent debut GP season on the factory. Aprilia finishing on the rostrum on three occasions, including second place at the Dutch GP of Assen. That's how long Max has been around. 90, in 92 was his debut season. Oh. Uh, Kawasaki's much talked about return to 250 GP has yet to happen. It is said to be after... Um, Pierre Francisco Keeley for 1993. They were also said to be interested in Keeley's young Aprilia teammate, Max Biaggi, uh, who also had Jalera and Aprilia after his signature. <laughs> Loris Caparossi and Dorian, Doriano Ramboni were loaned Honda NSR 250s for a one-off rides at Donington. The rides added the uh, four NSRs already ridden by Luca Catalora, Helmut Brado, Carlos Cardu, and... Uh, Masahiro Shimuzi. Shimuzi, okay. Two extras are usually ridden by newly crowned Japanese champ Tadayuki Okada and Toru Okawa. Uh, There was uh, time to get them over here and give the riders a chance to get on them. HRC Vice President uh, Yoshi Ogama. These riders have waited long enough. Ramboni and Caparossi normally ride HRC-kitted RS250 SPLs. Uh, HRC said it could run up to six riders on NSR 500s next year. Our engineering capacity could run up to six riders, said Ogama, and there are enough sponsors we could run six riders. Honda will probably run four NSR 250s in GP again next year, though it's unlikely they will uh, go along with the same riders. With Catalora hoping to make the jump to the 500 ranks and Cardo, Brattle, and Shimizu all suffering poor results, there could be four new NSR pilots for 93. Oguma also revealed that 70% of HRC's total budget is spent on the NSR 500 program. The other 30% looks after its 250 GP involvement, Formula 1 bikes, Formula 3 bikes, endurance racing, plus all motocross activity. Luca Catalora has not taken up the option to remain with Irv Kanemoto's Rothman's team uh, for next season. Catalora, who is unhappy that Honda won't promote him to the 500 class, is looking to put together a 500 effort on his own. Uh, he has received offers of personal sponsorship from Rothman's and should be able to should be able to find the major uh, sponsor to fund the team. And this is all news and notes from the. Uh, uh, British GP that year. Uh, Suzuka eight-hour race breakdown. Let's see. Results from the eight hours of Suzuka for 92. Wayne Gardner and Daryl Beatty on a Honda. Uh, Kevin McGee and uh, uh, Neil McKenzie on a Yamaha. That was second. Um, uh, two Japanese riders. I don't remember. Iwashi. Uh, one of them, Iwashi, I think, rode World Superbike for a couple years. Fourth place was uh, Fat Freddy Spencer. Uh, fifth place was Aoki. Uh, sixth place was Rob Phyllis and Aaron Slight. Seventh was uh, Akira Yanagawa. Ninth was uh, the the Aoki brothers. Tenth, Scott Russell and Tom Stevens. Ah, just looking through some some of the names down here. Also in this uh, this uh, issue, there's a very uh, there's an interview with Jason Pridmore. It's kind of funny to see 
uh, Jason back in 92. He's like 18 or 19 years old. Oh, uh, wait, 92, he's like 20, I think. So Jason and I are about the same age. Uh, the Diesel Jeans World Superbike Championship, round seven at Mugello. Raymond Roche takes two. Poland leads the points. <laughs> and, oh, there's a big article about the uh, American motorcycle racing teams, the AMRT. That was a big deal back then. You know, whether there was a union forming of riders and teams. Let's see. News and notes from the GP at Magnacour. <laughs> Rumors at MagnaCore suggested that world champion Wayne Rainey had signed a letter of intent to race for Kajiva next year. Rainey visited the Italian factory's uh, headquarters in uh, Varese before the Dutch GP and came away impressed with the facilities. The factory's recent uh, success with Eddie Lawson, including pole position at Assen and a victory at Hungary, has certainly convinced Rainey to take Kajiva's overtures seriously. It's known Rainey has been far from happy with Yamaha's uh, sloth at giving him a competitive bike this year, and he believes the tight-knit Europe-based Kajiva operation could be the answer. With rumors of Rainey's move circulating in the paddock, it was only natural that some uh, people would take it uh, take the next step that it would be Kajiva Team Roberts. It's long been common knowledge that Roberts wants to make GP racing more of a European operation than one that relies so heavily on the Japanese. He likes the idea of a European GP industry and has already worked hard to establish one by convincing Yamaha to sell YZR engines to European chassis makers. The next step could be Kachiva Motors and Harrison Rock chassis. A pretty success in the 250 class also proves that Europe is quite capable of building competitive GP machinery. Uh, the potential danger, dangerous power wielded by the Japanese became evidence at Suzuka last March when the factories threatened to withdraw all machinery unless more Japanese riders were allowed to enter their home GP. <laughs> uh, let's see. <laughs> John Kaczynski set the fastest time at Magnacura on Friday and then fell off his YZR. The bike caught fire and... Uh, Though marshals were slow to react, they eventually put out the fire um, after plenty of vocal abuses from the American. Trouble is, John, uh, joked Kenny Roberts, you were shouting, fire, fire, and in, and that means sit down and do nothing in French. <laughs> oh, so uh, the big one of the big things that come out of uh, mid-Ohio for that race in 92 was that was the race where... Um, uh, 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 Larry Schwartzbach was killed, so it was pretty, pretty bad deal. And then I said I was there for that race. That's why I got all those pictures. Yeah. Colin, how about this? 1992. Who would have believed it? Uh, who would have believed last year that 17-year-old novice would be the 250 champion? Exclaimed uh, Eric Clement, uh, Clementch, Southwest Motorsport team owner and the man behind Wonder Team, Colin Edwards. Who indeed, with his win in the 250 GP final at Mid Ohio. The now 18-year-old prodigy added a professional title to the score of novice titles that he earned at the end of last year. And he did so in fine fashion, leaving the talented field in his wake to win by a margin of over three seconds. Prior to mid-Ohio, Edwards underwent surgery uh, to his injured left wrist, uh, a legacy of his Texas World crash. It feels fine when I'm riding, but when I get off the bike, it hurts a lot. Edwards uh, 
title rival and best friend Kenny Roberts Jr. was also hurting, still recovering from a broken collarbone suffered at Loudoun, New Hampshire. Roberts Jr. fell twice during practice, once on his own and once when he ran into Canadian John Cornwall's fall on Yamaha. <laughs> Some cool stuff in there. Uh, what else is in here? Just flipping through Hungary qualifying. Yeah, Jason Pridmore interview here on page 40. Riding, uh, riding on a Kawasaki. 24 hours of spa. Honda RVF 750 test by Alan Cathcart. And just for giggles, let's see what is for sale in the back here. Here we go. Rare 1986 Suzuki RG500 Gamma production racer. Four-cylinder, water-cooled, two-stroke competition parts. Uh, brakes, forks, springs, shocks, and many spares. Rear mag, rebuilt engine, $4,500. 1991 FZR600, Muzzy Houseworth Performance, uh, Muzzy Houseworth Performance Machine, Fox, complete spares, 1 minute, 28 seconds at Willow Springs, fresh engine, 5500 bucks. Andy Milton, he still races out at uh, Willow Springs. Okay, 1990 TZ250A, full spare kits, uh, plus seat fairing screens, Olin shock, tires, wheels, and rotor, record setter, 8,700 U.S. I'm just trying to think of see if there's anything else uh, of note in here. <laughs> 1987 CBR 600, double 900 uh, regional champion, 1992 ground-up uh, ground rebuild, blacked-out frame, Astrolite wheels, new four and six super bike motor, 1990 cams, Cosworth, Falicon, too much to list, racing street parts, very fast, very reliable, uh, Chicago-based number. So anyways, that's uh, a quick look at uh, the September 1992 edition of American Road Racing Magazine. So I'm going to do a few more of those uh, in the off-season here since we'll be looking for some stuff and just a look back at some of the names and places from uh, from back in the day. So now, uh, let's get to my uh, quick take on some potential things that may that could happen, may happen, looking for a silver lining in, in the carnage that is AMA road racing. Now, when I said this has all happened before and it'll happen again, I'm not kidding when I say that. In the mid and late 80s, there was a lot of pullback from the Japanese manufacturers uh, out of AMA road racing. Um, Honda pulled back in the late 80s. Uh, Suzuki had pulled their efforts back right before then, I think. Uh, I mean, Yoshimura was running Suzuki's, and they were, in a sense, one of the, fa one of the factory uh, Suzuki teams, but nowhere near the support level that they had years down the road. Um, I'm trying to think with what Yamaha was doing in those days. So, so I'm a little, right about the time I started really paying attention to um, road racing was was in the late 80s but um those were the days that that bred your muzzy kawasaki that really that really brought to the forefront your muzzy kawasaki's um vansenheim suzuki vansenheim's yamaha yoshimura suzuki yeah a lot of people don't remember that before it was vansenheim's yamaha they were they were also ran uh with you know against yoshimura running suzuki's um so muzzy farachi um, uh, the Commonwealth team, two brothers. These weren't direct factory teams. They were factory support teams, much the way that the Tenkata team uh, running in World Superbike and World Supersport, they're not really the direct 
uh, factory Honda team. In fact, a lot of times they're fighting with Honda for for anything. Um, yet they were successful. So factory involvement, yes, but could this also breed or bring back some of the uh, independent team owners or uh, companies that are parts made? Muzzy, you know, he yeah, he he was a racer. He was a drag racer, then went road racing and, and used that to uh, really uh, you know, sell a lot of parts. He sold a ton of parts because of his racing effort. Um, Vance and Hines, you know, uh, some of the stuff they did helped fund all their Harley stuff they did and then made their fortune selling Harley parts. So, you know, in fact, Muzzy and uh, Vance and Hines are making all kinds of stuff doing, going drag racing now with, uh, with their support over there. So what I'm saying is, and I'm not saying this is going to happen. I'm just saying that this opens the door for some of these possibilities that if the factories end up pulling back and aren't going to run, you know, direct factory teams, that some of these independent teams could step up and take over. And if we think about it, these were some of the days that we think about so well and that uh, racing was good. There were a lot of personalities involved. The money sucked. Um, I'm trying to remember, I, not in this issue, but there was some other stuff and it talked about some of the contract stuff where, uh, in the early 90s, like top superbike riders were making like sixty and eighty thousand dollars, you know. And we, you know, we look at what they, these guys make now, and they're like, "Holy crap, that's a lot of money!" But in the early 90s, these guys weren't exactly rolling in cash. Now, maybe there was some bonuses and stuff that made them, uh, you know, reasonably well paid, um, especially considering the risk they're taking. But um, it's not like these guys were sitting on big fat six figure paychecks back then. They were racing for not a ton of money. And we may see the return of that, that a lot of bigger name guys or a lot of guys aren't going to be making the money they did, especially given the current economic conditions. So could be good. Guys might be a little hungrier. You might get, uh, you know, some teams taking flyers on riders because there's not a lot of money involved and they don't have the money to be spending on salaries and the factories aren't going to uh, pay those salaries or at least a big chunk of those salaries. So. This this is the idea I'm working on for a column. I've got some bullet points. I've got some thoughts out there, um, and hopefully be wrapping this up here in the next day or two, and, and I'll pitch it to uh, a couple magazine people, and if they reject it, um, like I said, we'll see it on rumblestrip.net and probably one or two other places as well. But um, let me know your thoughts on that, rumblestripradio at gmail.com. Um, you know, in some ways, that's what Roger Edmondson wants, and that makes, you know, sends chills up and down my spine to think that that's, you know, Roger may get what he wants, and somehow that may end up being a good thing. Uh, not saying that for sure, not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying that this might be an intermediate step, and it could be a good thing, just getting some some newer or fresher blood or maybe bringing back some older blood uh, back into the series. So with that, we're going to wrap it up. And uh, sorry, I, I do, once again do apologize for the gap in between shows, and I'm going to – this will probably be – I. I I'm thinking today's the 17th as I record this. With so little happening over the next couple of weeks, this will probably be the last show of the year. So I would like to thank, once again, everyone who's been with me since the beginning, anyone who's brand new. I appreciate you listening to the show, downloading the show, spreading the good news of the show. Um, outro music this week uh, is going to be our usual Christmas outro music. So, And... Um, don't forget about the uh, giveaway contest. Once again, we're giving away three... MotoGP Matters calendars for 2009, and the question is, how many bikes were on the starting grid for the 1983 500cc GP race at Silverstone? 
And the sort of tiebreaker question is, what was Eddie Lawson's number for, I, I think it was for that whole year, but especially for that race. So, um, feedback, like I said, always welcome, rumblestripradio at gmail.com, the website, www.rumblestripradio.com. Again, all show notes there, links there. Go, to, go over there we'll, uh, for this week's album art uh, and, and picture in there. It's really cool. Um, you know, don't forget to tell, keep telling your friends about the show. Pass, you know, burn it to a CD, pass them it around. You know, put it on a USB key. They're like two bucks these days. That's probably cheaper for a USB key than it is to burn it onto a CD almost anymore. Uh, point them to the website. Do what you got to do. Let's get the word out. Let's uh, continue to grow the show. If you can make a donation during this holiday season, it would be much much appreciated. And uh, check out uh, the Reborn Revision RumbleStrip.net as well. We're going to be putting some stuff up there as well. Not so you know, there'll be some motorcycle stuff there. Um, but a lot of, you know, car stuff and, and some other things up there as well, um, for you to enjoy. So, uh, happy holidays to everybody. Please be safe. I want to see you on the, uh, the flip side. I want to see you in 09. So until I talk to you again next time, have fun, be good. Most importantly, keep it on two wheels. We'll talk with you soon. Bye.